enjoying this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. It's a bit of a change to be up this early, isn't it? I don't mean as in woken up this early, I mean up here this early. But hopefully you'll see why we're doing things this way around this morning once we get into this. There's a couple of other things to mention about Devoted. Uh, If you're not going, then uh, you're very welcome to uh, come for a day on the, um, shall we have that, on the, uh, over the weekend. But you can't turn up and pay on the gates. Okay, you must book in advance. So you won't be able to turn up and pay when you get there. You need to book in online in advance and uh, you can do that before you leave home maybe uh, and then you can come and join us maybe for a day uh, over the weekend. So as um, Rupert said, we won't be meeting uh, here on the Sunday. So if you want to come over on the Sunday maybe, then you know, we'd be thrilled to, to see you. But just make sure you book in in advance online before you leave home. Um, and um, if you are going uh, to Devoted, you'll see a number of folk uh, from Jubilee serving in all sorts of different capacities over the weekend. A number of you are doing different things, so thank you for that. Uh, John and Val are doing uh, prophetic arts. We've got a family encounter zone that Jonathan and Sandra are helping to lead, and uh, others are serving in, in different ways uh, as well. So for all of you who are taking part and uh, helping make the event work, thank you very much. We really appreciate that, and looking forward to uh, to all that God's going to do over the weekend. I trust you are as well. You are. Some of you are. You are. And I'm looking forward to uh, to lunch on the Saturday afternoon. That sounds very, very good. So, um, good. Well, if you've got a Bible with you, perhaps you'd like to turn to the book of Psalms, please. We're working our way uh, over the summer period through a number of different psalms. And uh, this morning is not going to be a full-length preach. Okay, I got one whoop and a number of R's there. I wonder what sort of response I'll get. So, whoever whooped, I want to see you afterwards. The rest of you can come for lunch. Um, so, <laughs> so, it's not going to be a full preach. But what I want to do... Um, is lift our eyes towards heaven and lead us back into worship. And uh, the Psalms that we're going to look at this morning will help us to do that. Now, as we've already said in this uh, series, David, who wrote many of the Psalms, faced many trials in his life. Life was not straightforward for him. Even though he had been anointed as king, he had to go on the run to avoid being killed by Saul, the current king. It's not really what you expect for a king-in-waiting, is it? You can't imagine sort of Charles, or or even William maybe, going on the run from the queen, who's, who's out to sort of finish them off because they want a job. Can you imagine it? Sort of setting the corgis on them. You know, that's what it would be perhaps in our sort of 
our world. But for David, it was serious. Saul was out to kill him. Not just to cause some trouble. And you read various accounts of uh, Saul trying to kill him and, you know, hurling spears at him and setting his army on him, trying to destroy him. So life did not always go well for David and he has to spend uh, much of his, his time avoiding being killed by Saul. So that's the sort of background we've got to many of the Psalms. And um, as you read through the Psalms, you read through the accounts of David's life, you, you see that actually life was not always straightforward for him. But actually, it seems that life wasn't always straightforward for the other writers of the Psalms as well. Sometimes we can think our Bible heroes had it easy. But actually, they didn't. They lived in the real world as much as you and I do. And so we're going to look this morning at Psalms 42 and 43 very briefly. And we'll read Psalm 42 together. Okay, so Psalm 42, hopefully you've, uh, you've found in your Bible. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with a multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where's your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words here, and we pray as we spend these few moments looking at it together, that you would come and be our teacher. Holy Spirit, would you take what we've read and apply it to our lives and lead us back to worship you in spirit and truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if you're of a certain age, which I will leave you to define, and you've been in church for any length of time, you probably remember a song about deer panting for water. Do you not? Would you like me to sing it to you? Well, I'm not going to. But you can ask Izzy afterwards. I'm sure she will be happy to. With a picture that we have, not just in that song, but the psalm on which is based that we've read just a moment ago, is a, is a deer being pursued by hunters 
desperate, um, perhaps being pursued by hunters, desperate for water, because that's what keeps it alive. I was um, in a park not so long ago, uh, walking and, and praying, and there, there were loads of deer just really, really close. And uh, it was wonderful to see them. It reminded me of this psalm. There's the deer, pants for the water. So you've got this picture here of a deer desperate for water because it knows that's what's going to keep it alive. You see, it searches out for what it knows will do it good. It searches what it knows will nourish it. It searches what it knows will feed it. You see, it searches for what it knows is going to keep it alive. And that's the phrase that I want us to think about for a moment. That's the key phrase. The deer pants for the water because it knows it's going to keep it alive. So let's make the transition and think about it spiritually for a moment. What is it that keeps you alive? What is it that keeps your soul alive spiritually? Now, I'm not suggesting for one moment that you can uh, lose your salvation. I'm not talking about what is it that, that, that keeps your, <coughs> your soul saved, because we know that once we put our hope and trust in God, then that is secure. But I'm talking about what, what keeps your soul alive in God and, and feeds you and reminds you of your relationship with him. The psalmist here is remembering something. As you, if you've got it in front of you, you can see how the psalmist remembers times of worship when, uh, when he'd go and, and lead the multitudes, leading them to the house of God, leading them in worship and praise and thanksgiving. And clearly he's remembering these times with, with some affection and remembering what it was like. And do you remember when? He's saying. But you see, right now, that's not happening. Right now, the psalmist isn't in that situation. But still he yearns for the presence of God. Still he yearns to be in his presence. Verse 2, my soul thirsts for God. For the living God. I wonder, does that describe you? Does that describe us this morning? Are we thirsting for God, for his, for his presence? So for me, you know, I love to worship. I, lo- I love to worship. I love to lead worship. I love to, to be in a worship setting. Particularly enjoy worshipping with other people who are passionate for Jesus. There's something about worshipping on your own which is quite often an intimate and a sense of the presence of God. And there's something different about worshipping with others, isn't there? And it's wonderful to worship with brothers and sisters who love Jesus and that helps you and encourages you to worship, doesn't it? And to, and to look to the Lord. I love that. There's something wonderful about the corporate gathering, the church together. And the psalmist here is remembering what it was like when he used to lead that sort of, that sort of setting and lead the multitudes in worship and, and thanksgiving. But now they've changed. Now it's not the same anymore. His world has changed. 
My bones suffer mortal agony, verse 10, as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Not having it easy. Clearly under pressure, clearly oppressed and being taunted by his enemies. And Psalm 43, because 43 flows on uh, from Psalm 42, it's very similar language, some similar phrases in there. And in verse 2, he says, why have you rejected me? It's quite a strong phrase, isn't it? To, to feel that God has rejected you. And that's what he's saying. So what does he do? What's the solution? What's the prescription, if you like? Some of us were at Ben and Julia's wedding yesterday, and uh, Ben has just qualified as a pharmacist. And uh, out on the tables uh, in the evening were, were these fake prescriptions that you could fill in and prescribe something for them and for their marriage. I, I was tempted to write all sorts of things and decided not to. <laughs> I was well behaved on this occasion. I was actually tempted to write all sorts of things and sign it with somebody else's name, if the, if the truth be known. Uh, but, but there you go. So, so the, you know, we're encouraged to, to fill in this prescription. What would, what would bless them and encourage them in their married life? But I wonder what the prescription be for the psalmist. Or maybe perhaps for us. Well, we find out because not only do we read about the trouble, but we also read about the solution, which is good, isn't it? So the psalmist gives himself some instruction. He writes a prescription, if you like, to himself that we're going to pick up in a moment and see what does he say and what would he say to us if we were in that situation this morning. When both Psalm 42 and 43, he speaks to his soul. And says this, why are you so downcast? So, why are you so downcast? He's talking to himself. And he gives himself some instruction. Verse 5, I think it is, of, of Psalm 42. Put your hope in God. Why are you so downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Even though it's going really badly, even though his life is not what it used to be, even though enemies are taunting around, he can say to himself, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him. So let me ask you a question. Do you ever feel that God has left you? Can you identify with what the psalmist says here? Have you ever felt like that? Maybe you felt that you're being pursued and taunted by your enemies. Perhaps you just felt downcast or low. Maybe you felt like that in the past. I don't know. Maybe you feel like that today. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, you know what, that describes me right now. And if it doesn't describe you right now, the reality of life is that we will probably feel like that at some point. I'm not being depressive. I'm just saying sometimes life is tough 
and we might have a bad day. And if you have lived your entire life thus far and never had a bad day, then God bless you. Rejoice in it. But maybe one day this will apply to you as well. So if that's you perhaps in the past or maybe now, what can you do? What does this psalm teach us? As we look at Psalm 42 and 43 here this morning, before we go back into worship and focus again on the Lord, what does this psalm teach us? What are the lessons that we can learn? Well, number one is this. It's about thirsting. Thirsting for God's presence. Deep in the psalmist's heart was a longing or thirsting for God. Even when things weren't great, there was still a longing for God and for his presence. And that came from spending time in his presence. It came from being in worship. It came from a heart that loved to be with the Lord and loved to worship him. Because the reality is, the more time you spend in God's presence, the more time you will want to spend in God's presence. Anyone know that's true? It is, isn't it? The more time you spend in God's presence, the more time you will want to spend in God's presence. So the psalmist is thirsting for something here. And you know what? That's good. It shows us what's really important. Remember our deer thirsting after water? It knows what's really important. As we thirst for God's presence, it shows that we know what's really important for us. But after thirsting, we need to learn to drink. Being thirsty isn't enough. You have to drink as well, don't you? So when our kids are thirsty on a hot summer's day, they've been playing outside, running around, rush into the kitchen and want a drink. Being thirsty isn't enough, is it? That doesn't solve the problem completely. Now they could stand there being thirsty, even asking for a drink, but unless their thirst is met, nothing changes. So for the thirst to be met, you have to learn to drink. Do you remember Jesus talking about this? Does it remind you of anything? In John chapter 7, Jesus talks about these sort of things. So he says this, on the last, John 7, 37, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Isn't it interesting? Jesus uses similar language here. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So how do you do that? Well, certainly part of it is worship, isn't it? Certainly part of it is coming to him and worshipping him, focusing on him, looking to the Lord and receiving him. See, worship does something to your soul, doesn't it? Let's be clear, worship is about him. Worship 
is about God and it is for him because he is worthy. But God knows that it does us good as well. Doesn't it? Actually, it's for him. But as we worship, it does us good as well. As I was reading this psalm uh, this week and, and thinking about it and praying, it reminded me of, uh, of David in Psalm 57, where it says, My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. We can do that again in a minute. And it says this, Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre, keyboard and guitar. I did that then. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. In Psalm 57, David is speaking to himself and says, Come on, soul, wake up. Let's get some musicians. I'm going to awaken the dawn. We're going to worship God together. And even when he doesn't feel like it, he speaks to his heart, he speaks to his soul and says, Come on, awake. Awake, I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. David literally speaks to his heart, speaks to his soul, going, come on, wake up. We're going to praise God. And you know, sometimes you just got to tell yourself that. It's true, isn't it? Sometimes you just have to push through. Let me tell you a story. I remember a few years ago, Sarah and I went through a particularly tough patch in our life together. Sarah had had a miscarriage and we were both struggling with it. And it was tough going. And if maybe you've had one or or known people that have, you know it's hard. It's not an easy thing to walk through. And I remember being in worship one Sunday morning. We still met at the waterfall at that stage. And we were singing a particular song that James is going to put up on the screen for me now by Matt Redman. And it says this, Blessed be your name in a land that is plentiful where streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. That's easy to sing. If you're having a good day, that's fine. Goes on. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place though I walk through the wilderness Blessed be your name. This song suddenly took on some reality to me as I felt I was totally in a desert place. And it goes on, and there's a verse a bit later, it's blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. And though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. And it goes on, and a little bit later it says, you give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. And I remember singing this song. In fact, I'm not not sure so much I sang it, but rather sobbed my way through it. I remember bawling my eyes out, crying as I was singing these words, but making a decision in the pain to worship God. And as I did that, something happened. As I chose, even in the pain and the desert place, 
to worship. And I'm not pretending it was easy, but I made a choice. And as I chose to worship, and as I chose to sing and give my heart to God, something happened. God healed my heart. And I remember leaving that Sunday morning different to how I'd arrived. Because I'd made a choice to worship and a choice to give my heart to him. Friends, something happens when you worship. It really does. You you give God space to work. As you declare who he is, as even in the desert place or tough times, you declare his praise and declare that he is still good, that he is still God, he does something. And it does something to your heart and does something to your soul. But sometimes you've just got to tell your soul to do it. It would have been so easy for me to sit down and go, you know what, stuff it, I'm not singing this. It's too hard. And if I'm honest, it was probably pretty close. That was quite a tempting option. (laughs) But I decided to push through. And God did something. I'm sure many of you have got stories that you could tell this morning of times when you've pressed through and God has done something because you've chosen to worship and even in the hard and the tough times, chosen to declare him as God. And so I want to encourage us to do that this morning. As I was thinking about this during the week, I reckon there are four R's that I will finish with. For my four R's from Psalm 42. Firstly, recognise. Recognise that you're downcast. Be honest, that's okay. The psalmist had no problem with recognising when things were going well and being very honest about it. So that's okay, recognise where you're at. Secondly, respond by thirsting after God, thirsting after his presence. Thirdly, receive by drinking, drinking his presence. Learn to receive the Spirit. And finally, allow God to restore your soul through worshipping him. You know, it's only actually because of what Jesus has done on the cross that we get to do this. It's only because he paid the price and he suffered more than any of us will ever suffer. It's only because he did that that this morning we can say, press in and receive because he has made it possible. He's paid the price. He has opened up the way. And because of what Jesus has done, because of his death and resurrection, because of what he has accomplished, the finished work of the cross, this morning, whatever situation you are in, whatever your background, whatever your history with God or not, by putting your hope and trust in him, by receiving him this morning, 
you can come to worship. You can declare him to be God and allow him to heal your heart. Is that good? Let's stand together. I'd like to pray and invite the band to come back up, please. It might be that we pray for one another in a bit, or it might not be. Thinking back to my experience, actually it was as I stood in worship and made a choice that God met me. Sometimes it's great to be able to pray for one another and lay hands on one another, and that's good, I'm all for that. Sometimes it's just as we give ourselves to him that he comes. So I want to encourage us, dear friends, to give ourselves to him this morning. If life is tough for you right now, then I want to encourage you with all my heart to press into worship this morning. And if life is good for you right now, I want to encourage you, run into worship. Because as you do that, and as you give yourselves to him, those who are around, who are perhaps walking a little slower than you, are encouraged on the journey. As we worship together, God does something in that. So let's lift our hearts to the Lord. Father, we want to thank you for your presence, God. I want to thank you that you are good. Thank you, Lord, that you are always good. And thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that we can trust you in the good times and in the tough times. Thank you that you are always there. And so this morning we want to make a choice to worship you. But where we need to, we want to speak to ourselves and say, come on, we're going to worship God. Because you are good and you are faithful. And Lord, we want to thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for his death and resurrection. Thank you that you've made it all possible, Lord. You've opened up the way. You've paid the price. And because of that, we can worship you this morning in spirit and truth and declare that you are good and your love endures forever. So God, we give ourselves to you again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Let's just sing out, so let's just sing the Spirit from there. We've got to sing out in English or your native language, sing out in tongues.